0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mish What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea, it's business, but it's personal.
0: Welcome to Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. This is the place, I hope you know, that the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My business shaper today is Nick Keller, CEO and founder of Benchmark. He was with me five years ago, and so this is a very special encore edition. For those of you that don't know, Benchmark creates and invests in purpose-driven business. Describing himself as a particularly uncomfortable student at school, Nick found salvation on the rugby pitch, a sport built his confidence through his teenage years. He saw the value of sport to move, to inspire and to unite. Nick founded Benchmark in 2000, which is now a holding company for five brands, specialising in development of sport-related platforms in the commercial and social sector. These include Beyond Sport, which uses sport to address global social issues, and Think Beyond Talent, a talent management agency helping athletes develop careers in which they can use their voice for positive social change. Nick is also the CEO of National Student Esports, the UK's official body of university esports. Hello and welcome back. Thanks, thanks for having us here, Elliot. You don't look any older. Thank you. That's you my do. first. You that's do. my first lie. <laughs> um, look, we met in 2014. Then, and uh, two years before that this country and London had been the focus of the world um, for a period of time around the Olympics. You, personally, were one of those selected to actually carry the torch, which I'm mm. never gonna forgive you for. No, but seriously, the pride I felt having known you for many, many years, and I, we, we know each other well, very well, and are good friends, so I must I must say that now. Because I looked at you as a friend and as someone holding that thing, and I thought, wow, this is a guy who, for the whole of his life, has absolutely loved what he does, because what he does is is sport and he makes things better. That was then, uh, 2012, and we met in 2014. Now, tell me about what's been going on since and where this business has gone, because lots and lots has happened. Well, I think if
2: you look at the context of change since then... It feels very much like our country's in a very different place. Back in 2012 we were really the envy of the world putting on the greatest show on earth in a, an amazing fashion with some of the greatest athletes, a real sense of togetherness and obviously any context or any discussion about where we are on to today can't help but look at the context of uh, what we're looking around polarisation um, in society and I hate to start too heavy but the context of how we all work and play and live has changed so substantially and I use that kind of bookend of the Olympics to really talk 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 about how far we seem to have changed and shifted over the last few years. But for me, it's become even more obvious that uh, business needs to think about how it contributes to society. And so I
0: live and breathe those words in my organisation as well. And for those people that don't know, the the organisation benchmark is that the holding company, as it were, for a number of different brands beyond sport is in there. The sport industry group is in there. Square Mile Sports is in there. Think Beyond, Think Beyond Talent is in there. You've also become, as I mentioned earlier, CEO of an esports business, which I know is, is probably a, it, it sits might might be separately. What is it that? binds all those different things together is it what you just said is it about bringing people together
2: it's really is about connections and networks and collaboration i don't think we can solve a lot of things that are going on in the world as individuals at the moment which actually shows how ludicrous the present situation um is in developing countries at the moment so my my strongest belief and pretty much every organization um or all of the organizations what binds them together is the ability to connect people create networks that can deliver good towards society or the network or and improve people's lives.
0: And that first business that you set up,
2: yeah, it will. I started in talent management, uh, yeah. rugby. My passion really lay in, in rugby. And, and you've got the ears to prove it. <laughs> I have, thank you. Yeah, yeah, the looks, yep. So, you know, it was a, a sport that really taught me so many lessons. And when we talk about the power of sport, I was a recipient. Despite, you know, having so much advantage um, in my upbringing, I still needed those little humanistic skills, that, mm. that boost and that self-confidence that sport gave where, when you were struggling in school. So I'm immensely grateful for what the sport has, has done and so deep do i feel about it that my
0: entire working life has been dedicated towards it i want to explore nick how you, you talk about sport giving you so much many people in life get given things you know they you know you could say my school was fabulous so they've come from a very comfortable middle class background and they just carry on they don't mean to carry on taking they just live their lives you you have converted your gratitude into your life's work what why do you think you did that because you could have been another one of those people that just say oh i I enjoyed my rugby and and on i go and i take a city job and all that stuff you didn't do anything like that no i look as a you've given back a lot i guess and i want to know where you think that's come from
2: deep down you spend the majority of your working life battling some of your own vulnerability that sits with you whether it be at school or through education as you growing up and i particularly was conscious that i wasn't a great achiever in school, but some of my first compliments from adults were uh, about how I played rugby, how I excelled, and how I trained, and how I can put effort in there. And converting those was a very important piece of my my growing up. And when we think about the giving back thing, I think, yes, there's an altruistic part of it as well, and it's a pleasurable part. And um, I see myself as quite a remarkable job, actually. I I work in sport and I get to give back in a very purposeful way to society. But deep down also, there's a business reason for it as well. And that's because the world is changing around us at the moment. And one of the reasons I established Beyond Sport um, is because I saw uh, post the financial crisis that the business was and the corporate world was gonna have to connect to society in a very different way from how it was before. And as we can see, certainly in the last two, three years, can't pretend the seven years prior to that were, were pretty tough for us, but certainly you've seen in the last two, three years, that business is really talking about what its role is um, in society, how it can give back because we all know that the gap um, has appeared too great, but we also know that employees and Gen Zers are talking in a different term. We know employees are looking for a different environment to work in. We know shareholders um, likewise as well. So there's a new level of accountability that's coming through on business. So although the altruistic past is hugely mm. pleasurable and deep inside, and um, there's a business side as well because the world is changing and someone's got to help advise those organizations and, and lead them to ensure that the work is done in the right way.
0: I guess the tough thing, though, is that you've, you've you've talked about intelligent capitalism and you've just given an exposition, if you like, of what that looks like and giving back and so on. You've created these entities almost before society has shifted and before business got it. How have you bridged that time where you've gone, you know what, this has got to happen, and then you've got to keep pushing and agitate for the change and be a change agent, and then eventually the business will cu- will kind of Deliver, and we'll catch up. Or business will go. Yeah, we do need a Nick Keller. We do need a Beyond Sport. We do need to think beyond, and so on and so forth. What do you do in the interim? Have you been lucky with investment and with people trusting your judgment? I, I mean, I think there's two things there. Number one that beyond sport
2: was a platform to promote sports role in education health and inclusion it was created for that so once you start talking about it and start sharing it you find that others pick up the baton it, it's pretty easy to get that sport is a great way of, of softening the corporate world and as a bridgehead to connect to society in a different way so but it, it took a while to to catch on and i on our launch in 2008 and, and back then we had people like archbishop tutu as our patron and, and, and tony Blair as our chairman i remember tony 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 Blair saying to us, We're before the wave. This is going to be tough. And he was completely right. So it has taken the last few years. But even now, as I sit there and having gone through those tough elements, the fact that we've got an investor on board in Nigel Ray, who's uh, known uh, as a very successful investor in the UK. um, And he's the owner of Saracens. Owner of Saracens. Um, The fact that he's recognized the role that we can play around social and the role that business has to play in society Mm. is pretty significant, actually. And then when that and that's backed up with the likes of BlackRock CEO Larry Fink talking about in his New Year's letter to corporates around if you're not giving to society or you're not aligning your values, your business values to society, we're not investing. It's very powerful words. It, it does explain that there is a, a, a huge shift happening. My worry is this sh- is the shift too late, but we can come on to that.
0: Stay with me for much more from my Business Shaper Encore guest. It's Nick Keller. He's coming back in a couple of minutes. But first, let's hear a taster from the News Sessions podcast, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. It's Paddy O'Connell, with the help of Mishkondorea, exploring the world of the gig economy.
1: The News Sessions with Paddy O'Connell. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Just Just FM. FM. Hello,
3: I'm Paddy O'Connell, and you're listening to the News Sessions from Mishkondorea. Each week, we have an in-depth look at a key item of law which is hitting the headlines. Today, we're talking about the gig economy, and it's all about the way we Earn money in the modern age. And here to discuss is Susanna Kintish. She's employment partner at Mishkonda Raya. If we
4: take if we take a step back, you know, one of the, the motivators I think for the initial for the initial sway towards finding worker status was that it's very unappetizing to find that someone's self-employed because it means that theoretically they don't get discrimination protection. And that's abhorrent. Why should you be able to discriminate against somebody because because they're, they're self-employed? they
3: sound a different contract. Exactly.
4: It's, um, or their working practices differ. Um, so actually, I think that if we extend the base level of protection to everyone, regardless of whether they're an employee, regardless of whether they're a worker, regardless of whether they're self-employed, then actually we can look um, much more critically at uh, at other issues, and where there is genuine two-way flexibility, then people may not need protection of paid holiday, for example. but they absolutely ought to get the, the the basic protection against discrimination.
3: Yeah, so Parliament may get to the point where it says there are some things that are going to become universal no matter what your tax... The non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. Yeah. So that's a really interesting briefing from you because you are a lawyer and actually we could expect you to say I'm only going to talk to you about Section 5 of the Employment Act but you're saying actually social change is so big at the moment people are going to have to really own up to this and get to grips with what's going on and in the meantime lawyers like you are going to fight little cases here and there but the big picture's not really been sorted out
1: yeah the new sessions podcast with paddy o'connell from Reya. find more of the new sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on itunes jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mishkondorea it's business but it's personal
0: There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and the encores as well and, of course, hear this programme with Nick. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes or just pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your podcast provider and you can enjoy the full archive. But back to today's guest. It is Nick, as I said earlier. He's the CEO and founder of Benchmark and they do really, really good things. They're trying to affect positive change. Nick, your whole thing has been about the power of sport to help bring people together, to help educate people and so on. The thing that interests me about an observation about the world of professional athletes as well as what I know, what we know from our own children, is that the issue of mental health has become much more important and people are more open, at least in this country, they probably have been in America for years, about what those issues can do to people. How do you address the mental health question that sits within sport as a way of solving the bigger problem?
2: It is a problem. Um, It's obviously a problem um, with young people at the moment, but thank goodness we're all talking about it and you and I can talk about it. We can talk about our personal journeys and mental health much more openly than we could do. Mm. When we look at a professional athlete, their entire system from a very young age has been papered over by sport so cracks that we might discover as we go through our teenage years or our early youth are covered over by the self esteem that's given by being an exceptional person that applies to athletes or anyone who's exceptional at something and so when that disappears or injury comes there's obviously going to be implications for how how resilient are you outside the sports arena and outside the sports field and I think that's really important I think also with professional athletes a whole system is brought around them of support that sits there and that suddenly disappears for an ex-athlete as well. I think the final point that is sometimes missed is in business world, we set objectives and then we work towards a strategy to get it and actually if we fail it's tougher to pick up the pieces if you lose a match on the Saturday you're immediately into action mode to talk about what you can do you're probably analyzing the video by Monday you're on the training pitch it's this kind of hamster wheel of to give you the opportunity to find resolution Mm. that doesn't happen in business business resolution is a little harder the journey is a bit tougher and so I think for professional athletes and particularly that objective setting becomes crucial and so actually what we trying to do with think beyond talent is ensure that as an athlete comes to the end of his career that they've really got a sense of their story a sense of their purpose outside actually playing sports where there's such a dearth of leadership in society at the moment with genuine belief that athletes can step in and really be activists for how our society could be Mm. and i think that's hugely important then it gives back to them as well and they get a stronger belief in post-career i might not be running out in front of eighty thousand people um, but I am really tapping into something very fundamental to myself that can then lend itself to society
0: Now those are heroes and heroines as they were and you talk mm. about that sometimes as you as you address people about the power of those individuals Just as an aside briefly and the lighter side of it is You know you love sport and you're mixing with some of the most famous most brilliant sportsmen and women on the planet Michael Johnson mm. just to name one What's that like? I mean these are not people that, you know, normal people meet. You're meeting them and you're working with them and you're having serious conversations about the meaning of their lives. That's a, obviously it's a privilege, but just on the you're a sports fan, what does that feel like every day? Well,
2: I'd like to say you just we're normal people, they're normal people. But they're not, are they? Well, they—they're not in that they've been incredibly focused in their in their life. And of course, you have to represent uh, amazing achievements from all over. But when I look, look, I, I tend to make an absolute ask myself in front of famous people not through nerves just because I'm I'm usually reasonably um, hopeless in these situations but what I find is they just want to be treated like human beings they're very normal their struggles are the same as our struggles they Mm. post-career they have business failings they have family troubles they're the same issues sometimes exacerbated by their extreme life but generally you find that most of them are up for a conversation I think we're in an interesting time where we've become slightly dis—we're In one way, we're closer to the athletes because of social media and we can see exactly what's going on in their lives. In another way, we're disassociated for, from that physical context of getting to know them and
0: understand them. And that's happened in some sports. Um, I think it might shift back a little bit. Let me ask you about your own journey. You're here now, um, have many 20 years later, since you started in, I mean, you've been doing lots of things for lots of time, but around 20 years in this in this business. Are you better at business now than you were then? Oh, yeah. I mean, And in what way? What uh, way is that, you know, like the maturity? What happens? What are the benefits of it?
2: I'd be amazed if anyone hasn't sat in this chair and talked about failure. Understanding failure is really significant. I mean, I've had journeys home where you think you've lost everything, and those are when you learn the most. I think um the rise of conversations around leadership and emotional intelligence are, are, are hugely important so understanding your own failings allows you to de- uh, to really develop one of the biggest things i've learned is is and linking back slightly to the mental health piece is that understanding the vulnerability and performance aren't two very different subjects and when we see an elite athletes and their relationship with coaches you see vulnerability and performance are hugely important i think the more in the workplace that we allow vulnerability to exist we'd seek better performance it's counterintuitive for
0: no, a but lot I was of gonna, people it's that's exactly the question i wanted to ask you um, which was this if you really can access your vulnerability uh, i mean weaknesses is one way of saying that but actually just that your Humanity has that over the years when you've gone, you know what, that makes me feel nervous. I'm going to go there. I'm going to explore it because I think it might make me stronger if I can work on You're that.
2: You're peeling the onion. I mean, peeling the onion of, you know, is, is hugely important. Have Inver- you done that? Actively? Invariably. Yeah. Invariably happens in your personal <clears throat> life when you, yeah. when you reach, you know, that mental health crisis that, you know, some of us have. And, mm. um, and it, it's your bravery and your ambition around defeating and understanding it that shape you as a business person as well. Um, I in, I was thinking about today and and things I was going to say, I absolutely love collaborative moments with great people who are bright, sparky, and I have a phenomenal team um, at Benchmark that just have that zip and zest and restlessness to them. Um, that allows going to work to be a, a sheer joy, really. So I think surrounding yourself and helping people understand that the vulnerability is okay mm. um, in the workplace. You know, the human condition is is defined by our decision-making and the complexity of our decision-making. It just makes you a bit more human. And so, you know, I've sat in an interview and someone says, I have really bad days. And I said, thank you for telling me you're a human being. Mm. And I think that's a huge uh, part of a leader's journey now is understanding
0: those aspects and that doesn't mean you get it right the whole time as well. My sense is though and you may be more aware of that but that fundamentally you're the same person obviously that you were when you started on this journey but also that you're no different in in work and out of work. The notion, when I think about you and Nick Keller and the notion of work I kind of go yeah well that's just what he does you're you're constantly on in a good way it's not that you're stressed or stuff but you're. I imagine you're always thinking, you're always addressing issues spinning around in your head I mean, I'm sure you, you relax as well but You are pretty much the same individual inside the office and outside the office, I imagine.
2: Yeah, I don't think I change massively. I'm I'm hugely immature.
0: (laughs) Stay with me for my brilliantly honest and immature but beautifully mature guest, Nick Keller. Um, We'll be having a final chat with him, possibly playing a track from Bill Lawrence. That's in just a moment.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: That was the wonderful Bill Lawrence with Swag Times. He was live at the Union Chapel. If you want to catch him live on one of our Jazz Shapers live sessions with Kelly Hoppen, go into the archive as well. He was absolutely fantastic. Nick Keller is my business shaper. He's been an encore special five years later. Boy, has the world changed a little bit um, since we last spoke. You were at Davos recently. You're surrounded by the good and the great, minus uh, a few presidents here and there, notable exceptions. What were the big issues that you discussed and how are you going to address those big issues in the next few years in your own business? I'll tell you what wasn't discussed just
2: briefly is there was very little conversation on the fringes around climate change and education. Um, What was discussed um, is, well, discussed but talked about was a lot of organisations talking about purpose and... Um, shifting their organization around giving back more and aligning their business values to society. What I found interesting is whether they still believe it's marketing speak and that if there's a genuine belief in a softer form of capitalism or a more intelligent capitalism then it's more significant than 0.01% of your company's time and effort. we're, We're talking well into single digit effort, and that might not be cash but certainly resource and effort that private sector ingenuity and innovation um, can lend itself to solving um, social issues. And my sense is is that unless the private sector really grasps what needs to be done to bridge the gap around social mobility and between the haves and the have-nots, it will be done for them by someone else in a very, very significant way where the private sector will lose what it loves most, and that's control and the ability to make their own decisions my sense is that we're still too many businesses that don't understand truly how to bridge the gap between purpose and lending itself to a society that is more inclusive, that recognises that that change needs to happen in
0: a reasonably significant way. And on that point, how would you measure success of, of Benchmark and Nick Keller in the next five years? If we were to have this conversation in wherever we are, 2024... If you were able to give the positive story going forward, what would that look like? What would have been achieved? For us as an organisation, I've set out an
2: objective and we work load in the USA. We've got the only ever collaboration between the professional leagues in America, the NBA, the NFL, NHL, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball and the WNBA. We're the only organisation they rally around and they come together around us for two days a year. They're, They're our founding partners and we look to solve problems together. They accept that unusual collaboration will 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 lend itself to results there's a simple culture of philanthropy that exists in America that has allowed us to progress a little bit more over there than we have over here but we've come back with a slight change of strategy that's come from the government here and Sport England that lead on community sport here that are allowing us to, to, to have conversations about building infrastructure and a, a connective network that can bring the world of sport and business and government together to lend itself to, to social change in a more Um, a more robust way and that's exciting so I'm excited about over here slight shift in how we see sport it used to be let's get someone to start stay succeed now the right questions are being asked actually it's about inclusion actually it's about can we drive more young people back in education actually can we stop youth violence and and reduce youth violence and so i think sport has a huge role to play in that and i think uh, we as an organization are going to hopefully sit at the heart of that so hopefully in five years time Mm. we will have been a part of an improvement of work around youth violence education
0: um, and that's what my hopes are and obviously still around as a business thriving and profitable just before I ask you your song, Charles, I just as, I thought as you were speaking, and just re- remembering that there was nothing like this that existed before you created it, and that a lot of this, Nick, is driven by your your passion, your sense of wanting to do what you do, and sheer bravado and bravery. I mean, just the collaborations, the fact you just said, oh, yeah, well, we, we're the only guys that have got NFL, the NBA, and the National Hockey, I think it was NHL as yeah. well, together. One of the big strengths you have, and you had to do it as an agent, is you have to go and talk to people. You have to go and talk to people who are probably pretty intimidating or aren't interested. If those powers diminish over time and you suddenly wake up and go, I just i am not up for this. Yeah. Do you think you've got enough in play of an organisation around you where the next Nick Kellers are going to come along and you've created this unique structure where you will have other people who can take on the baton? You mentioned a baton a while mm-hmm. ago. because one day you may just go do you know what I've done this for so long and you're not going to ever run out of energy but there'll be a time when you may not wake up and feel like you can just go and approach a George Clooney at Davos Mm. or whoever it might be you may just say I'm just not in the mood I think um I'm, I'm
2: I love people so I love that connectivity that comes from it and you'll see that from my song choice as well but I've got a remarkable team I mean phenomenally talented individuals that I have deep deep respect for I'm not by any way I mean one of my strengths is around convening people I've convened a a magical group of individuals in my and and hopefully I believe I've created a culture for them to thrive Um, but really the spark comes from from then and my job is to uh, you know pull people together and hopefully come up with the odd idea and make things happen
0: They're definitely odd ideas. Um, It's been a real pleasure again talking to you. And and, uh, without sounding weird, I'm super proud of what you've continued to achieve. It's brilliant. um, And I look forward to seeing the next chapter. uh, And I'm sure it'll be a good one. And you mentioned your song choice. What is it and why have you chosen Um,
2: it? It's Stay With Me, John Legend, because, again, everything I do is about connectivity. But if we draw it back to the plain, simple things family. Friends, absolutely everything. I have a remarkable wife who is um, just a huge strength to me. I have two fantastic boys now, and Jonah. I've got a baby due on Monday, um, a little girl due on Monday, which is incredibly exciting. And I have a, um, you know, my, the boy's mum who I get on incredibly well with. And these things are about, and, and the rest of my family, call all around connectivity and people and being together and collaboration and, and getting things done together is, is important. So stay with me, John Legend. Amazingly romantic tune. We've
3: been
0: together for a while now We're growing stronger every day now It feels so good and there is no doubt I will stay with you That was John Legend with Stay With You, the song choice of my encore business shaper today, Nick Keller. He talked about going before the wave, the creation of his businesses before there was a real need for the businesses, but people knew that they would eventually be required. And he talked about purpose, being at the centre of what he does and at the centre of what he's trying to encourage all good businesses to do, his version of intelligent capitalism. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a fantastic
1: weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. Or head over to mishkon.com forward slash Jazz Shapers.